let's, let's prepare ourselves to enter into the presence of the Lord. If you, if you want to, you want to stand, we'll stand together. <clears throat> This ministry is in this ministry is in transition uh, bet between the place of God and the dwelling place of God. This is what we are contending for: is that the Lord will have a dwelling place. This is when the kavod of Yahweh comes down on His people, the weighty presence of the Lord, and the Shekinah light of God's glory begins to shine forth. It takes a great resolve in yourself to be in transition. Sometimes uh, I heard one preacher say one time that transition is hell's hallway because sometimes we don't really know what's going on in a place of what appears to be dark to us and dark to our understanding. But as we as we transition and uh, your your families, I appreciate you standing with us this morning. But as your families are going through this it takes a lot of courage and it takes faith to enter into the place of the unknown and I heard the Lord yesterday in our kids devotions he said now it's time to cross the brook Kidron that the Lord would be seated in Jerusalem himself and would find a place where he may dwell among his people much like it was when Absalom was thrown down and the, end, the false empire that he had tried to erect was coming down. And, and so I was reading the Psalms last night, and I said, which Psalm was it that David crossed back over the Kidron Valley with? Remember, the Kidron Valley was a place of refuse, a place where they threw all of their trash into Psalms 24 was the psalm that was written by David when he crossed the Kidron Valley. And this is what it says. The Lord owns the earth and all it contains. The world, he owns all of it. And he owns all who live in it. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. My life is not my own. It's not my own to do with it whatever I want. I've been purchased by the precious blood of Jesus. Why well, I submit to you, Lord, this morning that you own, you own this whole entire world and you own all of us. That you have right, sovereign right to govern and rule. And we want to see you have a place where you may dwell. For you set the foundation upon the sea. And you established it upon the ocean currents. 
who's allowed to ascend. The mountain of the Lord. Purify our hearts this morning, Lord, as we prepare to ascend your mountain. Cleanse our hands and purify our feet, Lord. Let your presence reveal anything that's out of the way with us, Lord. the ones whose deeds are blameless and whose motives are pure and who do does not lie or makes no promises or makes promises with no intention of keeping them we know Lord that you will reward us by your very own presence vindicate us Lord and deliver us Lord seek purity, Lord, in our character. We seek your favor, Lord. We pray to you, Lord, for your favor, that you would see us, even as we gather this morning.
Captive the thoughts of your mind. 
Till his kingdom is all that resides. You are blameless and pure of heart because of what our big brother bought. What he bought. Bring captive the thoughts of your mind Until his kingdom is all that resides You are blameless and pure of heart Because of what our big brother bought Go up and see our God. Wash your hands and accept his blood. And the king is waiting for us to come. Come on, let's go. Let's go, let's go up. Come on, let's go up and see our God. Wash your hands and accept his blood. And the king is waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting for us to come bring captive the thoughts of your mind Till his kingdom is all that resides. You are blameless and pure of heart. Oh, because of what our big brother bought. Come on, let's go up and see our God. Wash your hands and a hill we call reality it's only a deception to keep us earthly oh, because we are invited into the heavenlies oh, if we believe if we believe what our 
there's a hill that we call reality it's a deception with intent to make us earthly we are invited to the heavenly your blood oh wash our hands clean God we accept your blood you've made us new we are new we accept your blood it leads us into life after life after life we accept your blood we accept your blood
of Judah comes, let us ride your back over the hills and the mountains. Mm, yeah, la, la, la. Yeah, la, la, la. We want to come up, God. We want to come up, God. Thank you for your river. Thank you for your river. Pressing on, pressing on, pressing on, pressing on, pressing on, pressing on, on, pressing on, on, pressing on, on,
It's a hill that we call reality. It's a hill that we call reality. But it's a door that God calls an invitation to the heavenlies. Oh, change your mind. Change your minds, change your minds. It's not, grace to go past reality. The river of blood will take us past reality. This is just how it always has been, so this is just how it always will be. It's a lie, it's a lie, it's a lie, it's a lie, it's a lie. 
cast it down. Don't believe him, don't believe him, don't believe him, don't believe him. The enemy, he uses these subtle ways, he uses these subtle ways. Well, this is how it was last time. Oh, don't believe him, don't believe him, don't believe him. Oh, cast it down, cast it down. Oh, it's a hill that we call reality. But really, there's an invitation to the heavenlies. Oh, all these trials, all these fights, all these trials are just doors to get into the heavenlies. To get into the heavenlies. Oh, to come up and see, to come up and see him. Oh, don't believe the enemy. Oh, I cast you down. Oh, I cast all these thoughts and emotions that can try with you, Lord. Oh, I cast them down and I believe you. I believe you at your word. Oh, oh yeah, that's maybe how it happened the last time. But I believe you and I will follow you into the same, into the same to the same thing. I will believe and I will follow. Oh, it's a hill of what we keep calling reality. It's a hill. It's all it is. The enemies have made it look like a mountain.
open our ears, God. We want to hear what you're saying. We want to hear what you're singing. We want to see how you're dancing. We want to believe you. Oh, help our unbelief. Oh, open our eyes, open our ears. Oh, and heal us, God. Come and heal us, God. many lies we believe since the moment of our first breath, God. We're casting them down, and we're looking at you, God. We're looking at you. Look into his eyes, and don't look away. Open our eyes, and open our ears. Second Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. For though we live as human beings, we do not wage war according to the human standard. For the weapons of our warfare are not human weapons, but they're powerful by God. For the tearing down, for the tearing down of strongholds. We tear down arguments, every, every arrogant obstacle that is raised up against the very knowledge of God. Well, we take every thought. Capture our mind. We'll capture our mind. Holy Spirit. Capture our mind. Capture our mind. We attack every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Exalts itself against the knowledge of God. We take captive. I give you my mind. I give you my thoughts, Lord.
great is your delight in us. Oh, oh, great is your delight in us. Oh, we receive your delight. Oh, Father of lights, for I delight in you, says the Lord. Oh, the Lord delights in you.
my sons and daughters, children of the King. I am in you, I am in you. You are my sons and daughters, children of the King. Israel, my song is the water of the purest well. Hear me, heaven, and fear me, hell. My dance carries thunder from the throne of Yah. Look at me and know he is God. children of the king we're children of the king oh we're children of the king oh we're children of the king
Children of the King, children of the King, children of God, children of God, oh, offer up your sacrifice of praise, offer up your sacrifice of praise, offer up sacrifice and praise and let it rise let it rise let it rise let it rise oh let our praises rise let our praises rise oh king oh without you
Take your inheritance. a weapon in the hands of the good, good Father. Oh, mighty in battle is He, Lord of hosts. Lord of hosts, He causes the Stand before you, 
Isaiah chapter 25, verse 9. At that time they will say, look, here is our God. Wait, we waited for him, and he delivered us. Here is the Lord. We waited for him. Let's rejoice and celebrate his deliverance. For the Lord's power will make this mountain secure. Moab will be trampled down where it stands. As a heap of straw is trampled down in the manure pile. Moab will spread out its hands in the middle of it. Just as a swimmer spreads his hands to swim, the Lord will bring down Moab's pride as it spreads its hands. The fortified city, along with the very tops of your walls, he will knock down. He will throw it down to the dusty ground.
intense right hey we might as well be honest about it um i tell you last week when we began to see what was happening last week with the press of the lord rushing in on us and um <clears throat> what we like to do if some of you are new with us this morning i like to do a little debrief post-worship so that and Sometimes I'll bring this out during the worship time, but it wouldn't have been fitting today to actually unpack this. It would have probably been more of a distraction than a help. But I want to share with you what you just went through uh, from a perspective, I believe. And, it, you know, Stephen's actually seen some of what I'm actually receiving from the Lord as a <clears throat> overarching perspective. And, and many of you are familiar with Second Chronicles chapter number 20, right? You know that section of scripture and uh the lord speaks to me he says you know you're under frontal assault in every direction you're coming from every direction you're coming under assault because the ground that we're taking in the spirit uh to see the moving from a place like david talked about to a, a dwelling place of god dwelling among men is not going to 
just, well, it's going to be contested. That kind of ground is something our enemy, frankly, does not want to see happen in this nation. And so we, you know, we, we definitely came under uh, a pressure against us, and it comes from three primary sources. It's in Second Chronicles 20. I want to share with you three areas that, um, that are happening in this nation right now, and I believe we're sitting on the front lines of, of, of the Lord moving in regards to this nation, and the ground that we're taking is very important that we understand <clears throat> the nature of these three front assaults that comes against God's people. Now, it says later the Moabites, the Ammonites, along with some of the Mennonites, attacked Jehoshaphat. Now, in, in a, that Mennonites there, that word there is Edomite. And I just want to talk just briefly about the Moabite, the Ammonite, and the Edomite and just give you an understanding of what is really coming against our nation and even the nation of this world. And maybe this will help you understand some of the things that you might face in, in your family life. <clears throat> Ammon, if, if you study Ammon and you look into the etymology of Ammon, what I mean by that is the, the name meaning or the understanding of Ammon. Ammon's, the name Ammon means nationalism, but it more particularly means nationalistic pride. And so, um, because in Deuteronomy, when the Lord laid out the nations, he said he set the boundaries of nations. And what I'm not, what I'm not doing here by talking about Ammon is saying that God didn't set the boundaries of nations. I am saying, though, however, that Ammon stands for nationalism as a pride or an arrogance. And it's inter it was interesting to me when the Holy Spirit began to teach me this about Jehoshaphat that nationalism in, in a way of pride is actually anti uh, the nature of God. Remember, I mean, we know that. God, what, resists the what? And gives grace where? And so God is, God is not promoting nationalistic pride. And so there's a lot of that that goes on in, in uh, numerous people's hearts, it, um, especially, you know, to uh, um, you, you see this uh, in James, he'll talk about this, not to not to say one person sit there and another person sit here. And, and there's this sense of what today they use the term um, racism or we use a, we use terms like this to say uh, this idea that I'm, I'm somehow better than you are. Uh, or I have some kind of position over you. It's, a, it's an idea of uh, an arrogance that sees oneself in a superior mode to another human being. And Ammon is actually attacking uh, Jehoshaphat and all of Judah. So this is an attack against uh, the work of God. And, and the Lord is will root this out of our hearts. Um, and because he's not interested in us having a superior or an inferior false humility kind of way with other people. Um, Stephen and I, we've been reading the preface to Paradise Lost, and <clears throat> C.S. Lewis gets into a section in there. It's called The Doctrine, the doctrine of the uh, Unchanging Human Heart. And what he, what he gets at is if you were to take all the technology and all the things that we associate with ourselves today, and you were to sort of just to lay them off, and all the things that we think protect us and make us who we are, you would find out that the human heart is no different than another human heart. 
And it, many of us have had a hubris or a sense of even not just now, but even looking back at what we would call Neanderthal man or the, the, back to there that we are somehow, somehow have come to a place of superiority even within history, not just within races and class structure, but even historically. And if you were to strip off all the mechanisms of the human, you would probably find out that you're not much different than anyone else. And that this was necessary for us to come to a place of real uh, humility because it's, it's not what you wear and what you're clothed in and how much money you have, what house you live in. It's not your, it's not your race. It's not your nation that characterizes you, if you were to really get down to the base structure of your humanity, and someone was to compare your humanity to someone else's humanity, you might find out that they actually look a lot alike. And that we were talking about the more we go historically back into that, which would take us back to the garden. And 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 yes, we've been yes, sin has come and and hurt the human soul terribly. And damaged us. But that God would want to root Ammon out. And so a lot of this pressure we may feel that we go through in a a worship set is let's get Ammon out. And it's something that, you know, no one can do this for you. You have the the Holy Spirit would convict you and give you grace. No one can fix this problem because it's not going to come from... uh, a political system and a religious system is not going to fix the human heart. Yeah. Only Jesus can, yeah. right? Yeah. And so even, even in the introduction of this or even the understanding of this, <clears throat> it puts us in a place that, oh, God, you know, purify my heart and see if there's any unclean way in me, right? Because I can't fix Ammon. You'll have to do it for me, right? Yeah. Another... another attack was coming from the Edomites and and do y'all know who Edom's father was Esau right and we know what Esau represents if you've studied Jacob and Esau and I'm sure many of you have but just in short Esau was willing to sell out his birthright for a pot of soup and and what this is about really and someone to do a better job than me preaching it but it's, it's, it's saying I set my economy and I set my, my own comfort and pleasure over and above the word of the Lord in my life. You know, in Deuteronomy 8, it says, man shall not live by what? But by every what? And see, Edom is, Edom is coming against us when we have set our focus on, on even our material needs over and above God's word in your life. If I, if I have set my material longings, my material needs, and that's a primary focus, my comfort and pleasure, if that's a primary focus, I leave this service day, primary focus is the things that I need to get all this done. And I've not said, Lord, what is your word to me? I am, I am allowing Edom to start to populate into my life. I'm allowing that nature in me because I'm not saying, Lord, what do you say? What do you want from my life? I, I am not to orient myself to that. And some people say, yeah, that, they point the finger at the guy that's in the gated community and they say, well, that guy's doing that. But it could be to the, 
It could be to the poorest that are still putting Edom first. It doesn't matter about your status and your class position. It matters about what your focus is. And this, and the Lord wants worship, worship to overcome. Uh, uh, Matthew chapter, what, 5, verse, is it 533? Seek ye first what? And his righteousness. You know what you do when you seek a king. You seek his sovereign right to govern and rule your life. And whatever he says goes because he owns your home. He owns the land. He owns you. And you are recognizing that it is his right to decide. That's called determination. I'm saying I'll allow you to determine. And it's easier, trust me, to get, well, trust the word. Don't trust me, but trust God's word. It's easier to let God determine your life than you to determine it yourself. You actually, he says, take my yoke upon you. It's easy. It's easy to let the Lord, easier to let the Lord determine your life than it is to determine your own life. When you operate with Edom, you operate in your own determination. And uh, you lose your birthright. Uh, that sense of meaning that, uh, and longing that all of us long to have. I'm not just spinning my wheels every day. If you experience boredom, you experience, I'm just spinning my wheels every day. That's Edom operating. Because man, in God's grace and love, and in, in, in saying, I'm going after you, there, you will not lack for meaning. You'll have so much meaning, you'll say, how, how in the world did he encounter me like that again and again and again? Esau offers you nothing but to fill your belly. And then you're left with, you, you know, you ever bought a new car? And then you're like, I don't know what the big deal was. Like a week later, maybe two weeks for some of us. But, you know, it's like, that's really cool, but then all of a sudden it's not anymore. And it's like the new wears off. Well, that's how Edom is. It just wears out. Um, Moab. Moab means who's your daddy. <laughs> that's what Moab means. God calls Moab his wash basin. He calls him his wash pot, his wash machine. The Lord wants to heal the human heart of or the orphan nature and bring us into an understanding of adoption as sons and daughters. Moab is saying, I got, Moab is like, I'm an orphan. I got to figure out how to do this. Nobody's going to help me. I'm in full survival mode. Orphans are in survival mode. They do not thrive. They're constantly trying to figure out how to protect themselves, secure themselves, take care of their need because... They're just trying their best just to hang on because no one's there. They don't have a parameter or something around them or a covering that's saying or someone who supported and facilitated them that says, listen, everything's okay. And so it's down to, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what I do. And it's this anxiety. It also shows itself up in covenant breaking that's all going throughout our land. Because if daddy in the Moab isn't there, then mama has to take care of everything because daddy's not present to take care of the uh, financial needs and to look over and bring protection and priestliness to the home. So now mama's got to take care of it. And then mama says, I can't have more children, right? Because I can't support them. Therefore, what you see what happens, right? Or it gets even worse because the orphan nature takes it even further. And you see what has happened with the breakdown of gender identity. And it gets like all confused inside of people because they don't even, they don't, we don't know. And there's, it's a painful thing to come to a sense of I don't even have an identity anymore because no one's, 
you know, daddy's not there. This was the attack that came on that nation. And let me tell you, the Holy Spirit, he's like, get down on your knees. Before he told me 2 Chronicles 20, get down on your knees because there is an assault coming against your nation. And, you know, sometimes we think, oh, what, what are we going to do in the Young Men's Institute in the middle of Asheville? But, folks, listen. Like never before, you and I and this remnant family that he is raising up globally will have to stand. And we will have to stand in his presence, praising him and worshiping him in this hour like never before. And the Lord is purifying his church of Ammon and Moab and Edom. There's a purification happening in us. And the way through, and, and thank God we got a breakthrough. I thought, I'm not backing off till we get a breakthrough. If I have to stay here and we run out of this place for three hours, we will not stop until that atmosphere snaps. Because we do not, we will not, and we do not permit this kind of nature, and we do not permit this in our land, and we will stand up and we will, uh, we will praise the Lord. Remember, uh, listen to what he, what he does uh, He says uh, in verse 15, the prophet says, Pay attention, all ye people of Judah, residents of Jerusalem, and King Jehoshaphat. This is what the Lord says to you. Don't be afraid and do not panic because of this huge army. When, when you experience, I don't know if you experience this, but when I get in a place of vacancy in worship, it used to scare the living daylights out of me in this ministry like I just feel I want to run off the stage but he says don't be afraid and do not panic he says there is a huge army so he's not in denial there's a huge army there is something invading our lands and our seacoast and coming against us he says um oh, I love this and Stephen began to sing this Lord of hosts but he says the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, march down. And they came up the ascent of Ziz. You will find them at the end of the ravine in the desert of Jeruel. You will not fight in this battle. Take your positions, stand, and watch the Lord deliver you. Old Judah and Jerusalem, don't be afraid and don't panic. Tomorrow, march out toward them. The Lord is with you. Joshua Hosaphat bows down, face to the ground. All the people of Judah, the residents of Jerusalem, they bow down. They worship the Lord. And then the Levites and the Kohathites and the Korahites loudly praised the Lord God of Israel. He says, trust in the Lord, your God, and you will win. <laughs> he appointed musicians to play before the Lord and praise in majestic splendor. He said, give thanks to the Lord, for he is, his loyal love endures forevermore. And then the Lord suddenly attacked them. 
this, listen, you're being trained in this room. This will be the way that the Lord will uh, associate himself through his people in this last hour. You, you're just getting prepared. We're all getting ready. This is how it'll be. And it'll be more, even more real. You're just being equipped right now because when, when the attacks begin to really come, the people of God, they'll say, remember that meeting? Remember that event we had? Remember what we did? We worshiped him. We worshiped him. We will not be afraid. We will not be afraid. We will not be afraid. And boom, we will praise the Lord and we will glorify the Lord. And you will watch the Lord release an attack against those that are not of him. For the battle belongs to the Lord. And we are not wrestling with flesh and blood. This war is real. But the Lord has already sustained victory. Amen. All right, amen. Let's... Um, Let's take up our uh, morning offering and bless the Lord with our gifts. <clears throat> if, you, if you give in PayPal, it's info at oomz.org. That's uh, order of Melchizedek.org. <clears throat> or if you make out checks, make them to OOMZ. Lord, thank you for you've overcome, Lord. And that we partner with you in overcoming. Thank you for this beautiful body that we can worship and praise you together. We just bless all these families that are represented here. Bless the finances. Bless the businesses. Bless the ministry initiatives. Bless the creativity in this room. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Bless you as you give.
Amen. Let's all stand together. Luke chapter 4. And this morning we'll read verses 1 through 4. And then Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan River and was led by the Spirit in the wilderness, where for 40 days he endured temptation from the devil. He ate nothing during those days, and when they were completed, he was famished. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. And Jesus answered him, It is written, Man does not live by bread alone. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for your word this morning. Thank you for your goodness, your mercy. Thank you for your great grace. Thank you for your love over this body. Thank you, Lord, for you can be with us even now, even in the ministry of this word. I pray that you would open up our ears so that we may hear in our eyes that we may see what it is that you are saying to us. Open our hearts, Lord, to hear from you. And Lord, I pray for anointing to preach your word. An anointing, Lord, that can only come from you. And an unction, Lord, that can only speak from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I think sometimes, and I, you know, I, <clears throat> I think that when, we're, when we think of God's determination and, and we think about the Lord's leadership in our life, that many times we wouldn't necessarily, you know, think that God would lead us into something that might be a place where we would be tried. I think a lot of, like, the way that we think about the Lord is that it, with the Lord, He would lead us you know, people say, you'll lead me into blessing. And uh, thank God you're blessed and that you're doing well. But in this situation today, when we're looking at the temptation of Jesus, it says that the Holy Spirit led Jesus into a wilderness. Um, Jesus had just been baptized by John and this... Uh, in the middle of this baptism, the Spirit had come down on him bodily and had related with him and let everyone know that this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus uh, revealing for us that his sonship was in fact legitimized before he was led into a place of temptation. Uh, I, I find that interesting that uh, a lot of times uh, in our life, our legitimacy uh, with the Lord will precede or come before some of the trials that we may have to go through. You know, I, I would, uh, you know, a lot of times you really contend for the Lord and you say, Lord, I want to trust you and I want to believe you and I'm going to press into a place and you get into a place with the Lord and you hit a real environment. And in that, in that moment, you're like, I know that this is the Lord. I know he's met me in my life. And then right after that, 
Right after that, many times, what happens? There comes the test. Um, you've come to a new place, uh, let's say a new platform in God, or a, a new, uh, Kara calls it leveling up. You've come to a new, a new level. You've found that the place that you had been contending for in the past, it's so easy for you by faith now, but in your new place of faith, in a new place and new ground that you stand in, a, a, a new sense of, um, and, and that place has come, and now that new place is being contested. Uh, I remember, and we have the Fords with us, it's so good to have y'all this morning, but I remember you playing worship in 20, I think it was 12 or 2013, here in downtown Asheville, and I, I remember we were over at Creatures Cafe, and I remember that last one we did, I can still remember because I remember they were singing about, either singing or I was saying about the sword of the Lord. And I remember the whole congregation of the Lord is like lifting up the sword. And I mean, we were just like, I feel the, like the press of the Lord come down. And I was like, you know, I'm thinking, we've taken the city for sure. Like this thing has been taken. <laughs> and I, 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 I was like, ah, you know, like, yeah, yeah, you know, we did it, you know, because it they remember, but I mean, those were some whew, intense warfare days. There was witches that came into some of the meetings, and they were being run out, and I mean, we were just blasting the prophetic, and you know, uh, it, it was awesome. That week, that week, like an enemy attack comes and like says, we have to leave Creatures Cafe, it's over. And I was like, no, 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 we're taking ground. We got our ground. We got our position now. And we don't have to we don't have to leave now. And man, this horrible thing happens. And of course I can't go into it, but it was just like this massive warfare takes place. And I said, Lord, what does the ministry do now? He's gonna go to Saluda. And I'm like, oh no, of all places, like and go in, in your dad's old building on a second floor and hold meetings in there. And it's just this old building. I'm like, and he said, and you'll call it the Tom, the tent of meeting. And I'll meet with you there in the middle of the wilderness. And I remember thinking, this is so anticlimactic. Because we had pressed in and believed God and said, we're not backing off. And, and uh, you know, I, 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 this is a long story, but I, we had come to a place of, really, we had hit a place in the Lord there, and we had found new ground. But man, I had my whole administrative team almost leave. Everybody's leaving. I can't stay with you anymore. I've got to go, and this person's got to go. And I'm like, ah! You know, and the Lord's like, do you trust me? You know, it's interesting in our life when God will bring this great reality of who we are in Him and we come to that new place, and next thing you know, something's got to come and contest it. Something, some your enemy has got to come and say, I don't know if it's right for them to stay in that new position. And here in the text today, we see this very thing. Jesus, listen, he's a carpenter from Nazareth. You have to understand, he comes from I mean, Henry and I joked about this, but we're like, can any good come from the hood? I thought it'd be a great sermon. Can anything good come from the hood? I mean, that's where Jesus came from. 
Jesus came from the place that everybody kind of looked down on culturally. He came from a place that was, you know, in question in, a cult, in the culture, and people would, if, if they were, they would sort of say, I'm better than that. Everybody did. Everybody felt that way about Nazareth. And can you imagine being God's own son and living like that for 30 years? Nobody knows you're in a place of obscurity. You've not been seen, um, really. You've just been in regular, uh, what you know, uh, manual labor, and you've got this call on your life. You have this amazement. I mean, Jesus is, is very interesting because, I mean, he's not just any man. I mean, he's God-man. And the Lord doesn't think it a bad thing to put him in a, a bumpkinville. <laughs> He doesn't think it wrong to put him in a place of obscurity, a place where no one would really uh, relate to him or everybody would think they're better than him. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like by real life, right? He's born in obscurity and he's placed in a place, again, that's culturally or class-wise, the lower of the low. He's like the indentured servant of the indentured servant. Uh, God is doing this for us so that we can relate. And now all of a sudden it's time. It's time for this man who's been maybe ostracized, looked down upon, uh, looked, turned aside when people see him. He's like, okay, it's just that regular guy. Now it's time for him to be known. And finally... The moment of his arrival, the moment where he's finally going to be known and his ministry is going to be known. And what happens? <laughs> he's led into the wilderness. He's led by the Spirit to endure. He's not just led by the Spirit to en en endure like the wilderness itself, but he's led into the wilderness uh, to also fast. He's going to be tempted. He's going to be tried. And they're going to, we're going to see here today in this first temptation, in the middle of a fast, in the middle of the wilderness, in the middle of being forlorn, <clears throat> listen to me now, I won't... Take all your time this morning, but hear me out. Can the enemy get him to move into doing a miracle outside of God's timing? Now, you have to understand, Jesus has the full measure of the Spirit. Uh, not many people ever get the full measure of the Spirit. I mean, some, some, John had the full measure of the Spirit. He's baptized by the Holy Spirit. Jesus has the Spirit of God on him without interruption. That means that he has all the power to do whatever he wants at any time. If, uh, for instance, if, uh, if a person in this room was blind... Jesus could easily go over there and heal them, and they would instantly be healed. If someone didn't have, uh, if they needed resources to pay, uh, pay for something, he can go and say, well, go get it out of that frog's mouth. 
you know, whatever. I mean, he can do whatever he wants. He has unlimited power sitting on him. Uh, for a lot of us, we can't even relate to this because uh, many of us in this room don't have unlimited power. I mean, just think if you did. You might not be sitting in this room. <laughs> I mean, think about your life right now with unlimited power. At anything, at any time, at any moment, if you wanted to make something happen, you could do it right now. Just think about what that would be. What would you do? Jesus has unlimited power by God. He can make anything happen out of his very own, very own ability from the Lord, and yet he's going to be tested right here. <clears throat> Who's going to be sovereign in his life? Is he going to move in power, or is he going to wait on to see what his father is doing? I mean, if you're used to being limited in your ability to do something, or li limited to... Uh, in your ability to bring forth power, <clears throat> your limitation is, is a lot of times what brings you up to the Lord. Uh, Jesus doesn't have any limitation here. He has full ability. He has unlimited ability to do something for his life. Maybe I could bring this, maybe I could bring this to a way you, maybe you could understand. I, I'm trying to like say, oh Lord, give me like something here, like an illustration that would actually make sense to you. But I, without an illustration, because an illustration maybe can't apply to everybody in this room, if you were to think with me, what seems to be the thing right now in your life that if you could just bring it into being, you would? If you can make something happen right now for you and your family or, uh, or in your situation in your life right now, what would it be? And would you be willing, would you be willing to do whatever it took to bring that into being? You know, the way that you ascend up into the heavens, I was reading this to you in Psalms 24, it says, you must have clean hands and a pure heart. You, not, you must not lift up your soul to deceit. Your motives must be pure. You ever, you ever had something going on in your life and the pressure's really on? And if, if you could just bring this one thing, you see this object or you see this situation with someone else, and if you could just make it happen, I mean, you would do everything. You could kind of feel yourself being pulled towards it. Somebody's mistreated you. You need to purchase something and you got to have it like tomorrow. And here comes the test to see, will you left-based manipulate or commit perjury or make one little white lie to bring it into pass? If you just were to commit one little change of the law or just break one little rule or cover it up, you could bring it into being. All you got to do is just make one little, just change the, change the context just a little bit, switch the storyline, and it could be yours. What about someone else? They don't, you're trying to say, well, if, if I can't manipulate it, then I'll control it. 
I'll hang on to it or I'll bring it in by force. I'll, I'll bring it even, even by my own effort, my own energy. I'm going to make it happen. That is my object that, that God has placed within my purview and I will bring it into being. I'm, I'm going to make it happen. You, hey, listen, folks, no, we don't know how many of us are actually living today, living by a works-based mentality, trying to make something happen for our lives. Instead of resting in our sonship. Jesus' kingdom is so absolutely diametrically opposed to the way the world is operating. It says... Listen, world system says work harder, get more done, make it happen, push, 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 push. You'll never have a lick if you don't, if you don't make it happen. Romans 4, though, says something different. Blessed is the man whom God credits his account apart from works. <laughs> oh, man, I love the gospel. It makes me so happy. The gospel makes me so happy because it's not like, oh, anymore like, oh, I got to go make something happen to get something or I got to manipulate somebody else to make something happen. No, I can rest in the relationship with the father as he proceeds to us. And out of that relationship, creativity flows and he shows me his path. The enemy, is he'll do everything in his power to get you to commit perjury or to move something by oppression. Even if you monetized yourself or monetized someone else. You know what I mean? I'll get all these people to do all this for me and I'll cut some kind of deal with them so I can make a deal so I can get what I want. And the Lord, you know what the Lord will say? The Lord will say, give and bless. You know, you listen to me. I'm, I, every week I'm going to give you a gospel message. I'm going to show you what the gospel is not, and I'm going to show you what it is. And I'm telling you, the gospel is not the left of manipulation nor the right of control. The gospel is not telling you to break your integrity. Not for anybody or for anything, no matter what pressure you come under. The gospel doesn't want you to commit a lie or to break God's uh, standard ever. And the gospel doesn't want you to monetize yourself every week or monetize others into a slave-based position. The gospel is not a master-slave dichotomy. The gospel is free. You know, I, I, I didn't realize how powerful this is and it's not someone say well that's fine carol but how do you know i mean how do you know if i trust the lord by faith because his word says um this today i was while we were in worship i got another word from the lord and it matches perfectly with today's sermon <laughs> isn't that amazing but uh it's a uh, habakkuk chapter 2 uh verse 4 let's read this Look, the one who de whose desires are not upright will faint from exhaustion. Well, 
listen to this, but the one who has, the person who has integrity will live because of his faithfulness. Another translation says this, and this is what the Protestant Reformation was built off, and the just shall what? Live by faith. If any man draws back my what? Soul has no pleasure in him. What? What is the drawing back? What are you being tested in right now? What is going on in your life? You're, it's being seen of whether or not you will manipulate to make something happen or lie when you're placed under pressure. Or you will say, I will monetize myself to make this happen or someone else. The only other path. You know, I used to think, well, that's just the only two paths. There's only one other path. is faith. It's a living relationship with the Lord where you begin to see what he's doing. And you live out of a vision with him. Um, I've said this plenty of times. I'll say it again. Faith is the title deed hoped for, the objective proof of an unseen reality. People say, no, Christianity is subjective. When God speaks to you, he will give you objective proof. What does that mean that God gives you objective proof? That means the Lord will take his word and he will take another word and he will match them together so that you can see what he is doing. He will give you two or three witnesses to reveal himself to you. Do you know what it requires for you to see that way though? It requires for you to turn aside to see and dive into the very presence of the Lord. So that you can see what he is doing. Otherwise, the propensity of all men will be to either go left or go right. Uh, There's another way we call this. It's either liberal or legal. It's either blue or red. But you're a royal people. You're a purple people. You've been called out of darkness, right? into this marvelous light. You're a people whose eyes begin to perceive God. And in the revelation of light, you begin to see him, seeing you, seeing him, right? The Lord wants integrity and he wants faithfulness. Listen, I I don't know what you're being contested with right now and what's your next level up or where you're going. I can't say that about your family, but I can tell you this. Because it's, I've seen it borne out in our family. The Lord will push you to the very edge. He'll test your heart to see, will you believe him and trust him on his word alone? Or will you compromise your position? And if you compromise your position, he'll give you another go around. He's very gracious. What is the devil's advice? The devil wants us and and our enemy wants us to act in our own sovereignty. He wants us to move out according to our own ideas or our own thoughts or our own ways about things. That's what he was testing Jesus with. Will you take my advice? And it says that he remembered. It says here, you're my beloved son. And this is what Jesus says. 
if you be a son of God. Your identity in Christ is everything. Hey, listen now, listen. Knowing that you are loved and desired by him is what will get you through these moments. It's like, no, he loves me. No, he cares about me. No, he's not going to leave you in a situation where he's not going to take care of you. See, everything's trying to tell you everything in this world and in our life. He's not going to take care of me. They're not going to take care of me. And that's the question here, if you be a son. I tell you what, Jesus, if you be a son, then go do something extraordinary. Go act outside of what God's revealed will is for your life. Uh, one writer, he wrote that it should anew be put to trial by some extraordinary work. Whether it were true or no, that he should believe it, yea or no. No temptation so sore, no dart so poisonable as that which tended to the questioning of the ground of faith. As this did the love of God so lately spoken of him, therefore this is one of the sharpest arrows that could come out of Satan's bow to tend to weaken our confidence in the care and the love of God's fatherly position in your life. You ever been in despair before? You ever been down in low? You ever been like up against it and things weren't, it seemed so dark and you couldn't see how God could ever see you through? And something deep down inside of you has had to grab a hold of him and you had him to say, I trust you. I'm going to trust you. I think that everything like this is, this is what's going on with all of us. This is this first temptation of Jesus. This is what's happening to us. Something down deep, something down deep, even we were experiencing this morning, deep into the vacancy, deep into the valley. Um, yesterday, I said, Lord, Kara began to pray over the children's devotion. I said, Lord, what's going on? He says, prepare to cross back over the Kidron Valley. The Kidron Valley was the place of refuge. That's where everybody threw all their trash. Because he said, I'm going to have a dwelling place among men. And I don't know if you remember, but it was Absalom who drove David out. And drove him across the Kidron Valley because David would not try to maintain his position out of his own strength and might. He had learned that from the Lord. He would even allow his own kingship to be contested, even though he was rightful royal of the father. And put him in a place, of, I believe it was Mahanium, which means the dance of the two camps. And placed him out on top of that hill through the Mount of Olives. But the Lord shared with me yesterday... Prepare to cross back over the Kidron Valley. For I'll no longer just have a place. I will have a dwelling place among men. You think the devil is going to like that? He promised us in this house 10,000 new converts. And we will stand that ground. 
to see an awakening in this nation and a transformation in people's souls and lives. And we stand upon that even to this day. Let's all stand together. Let me ask you a question. Is something in your life trying to tend towards you to weaken your confidence in the Father's love? Are you being tested right now and tried in the new position and ground that you have come into and being afflicted? I don't know, maybe some of you, even with Jesus here, we was being afflicted by hunger. It's pretty tough sometimes when you can't even get your food. I mean, he's down to the base necessities. But where does the Lord have you this morning? Where does he have you in a place of limitation, possibly, where supply is not coming in the way that you need it to? It could be an issue of healing. It could be an issue in your finance. It could be a relational issue with someone you care very much about or you're having problems with relationally. If, uh, if I was just known, if I could just be seen for who I really am, then I wouldn't be treated this way or I wouldn't have this problem going on in my life. If, the, if my boss or my employer or the people that employ me just knew who I really was, they would pay me more or give me more or I would be lauded or I don't know what we're dealing with here, but Jesus is being tempted with ostentation. Would he just move out and, and try to make himself known and be presented in pride? Or would he wait and say, I will only wait on you, Father. I don't need to be seen. Being more seen, I don't need that to show forth any kind of power right now. I want to submit to this idea. Listen, that the Father sees me. Yeah, but they're, they've been accusing me and they've been saying things about me. They've been saying, uh, he'll, him or her, she'll never amount to anything. He'll never amount to anything. He'll always be stuck like this. Or maybe your parents said that about you. Maybe your spouse has talked to you that way. Maybe you've talked about yourself like this. Yeah, but Lord, my circumstances are telling me everything opposite of what you're saying in my life right now.
gave me this word, you let me know about my sonship or that I'm a daughter. But why are my circumstances telling me that it doesn't seem to be true right now? Well, Lord, we've been, we've been through these places before. We came to a new place. And now what you said is being contested. It looks like there's a war going on around me. of our head that we would be filled with your delight Lord that we would be filled with your presence circumstances don't dictate me. I'll just receive God's delight over you right now. Stephen sings this, uh, we'll just come together and we'll take communion together, just come up for communion. Yeah. 
took the bread and broke it and he said this is my body which is broken for you do this in remembrance of me and he took the cup and he said this is the blood of the new covenant which is poured out for you do this in remembrance of me. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and give you peace. Amen. Bless you today.